Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. And uh, it's really great to see you all today. Just these last few weeks, God's been stirring my heart that we are spirit, soul, and body. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. That's the word and that's the truth. God's created you and I in His image. Well, have a look around. We're all shapes and sizes, all ages. And uh, our physical being, we've got a soul and our spirit is created in the image of God with a capacity to hear, to respond, to receive. Psalm 139 verse 13 says, For you formed my innermost parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks and praise to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. Just think about that. The enemy tries to rob our identity tries to get us not loving ourselves, making us feel like we're failures or we're just not, not achieving and we compare one another. Hey, today I want to remind you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Are we perfect in this earth? No, we're not. But in Christ, we realise that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Such unique personalities. And all of us, when we connect to the Spirit of God, His life flows through us. His love flows through us. People's lives get changed, impacted, set free. And what a joy to live this life. The Apostle Paul says, I can't wait to go to heaven, but I love it here as well. And that's what I'm like. I can't wait to get to heaven, but I'm going to enjoy this life to the full because God says, hey, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. When you've got sickness or aches and pains, you think, oh, God, help me. Because God doesn't want disease; He wants ease in our lives. But today, I want to challenge you, remind you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. It says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. I meet so many people who don't know how to love themselves, how to accept them that God has created you in His image, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's look at the Passion Version. It says, I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Well, that's true, eh? Some of your friends or your spouses or your kids, you think, wow, yeah, you're in the real complex one. You're in the mysterious one. Well, we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. Everything you do is marvellously breathtaking. Wow. You look at a sunset or a sunrise or the ocean or the night sky, but the Bible says that we are the crowning of His creation. It goes on. It simply amazes me to think about, how, about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place carefully Skillfully, you shaped me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Wow. So God has seen you before you even were born, conceived or born. That shows how important and a destiny you have for your life. So sometimes we feel like we're failing God or we've failed ourselves. I want to say today you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There's some people here you need to know that and realise it and live with the reality of it and change your confession about yourself. 
It goes on and says, You saw who you created me for I became to be. Before I'd even seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Whoa! The destiny and purpose of God. Sometimes life gets so overwhelmed, thank God, I don't know if I can keep going on. And we have days like that or seasons. But let me tell you, it says God's planned the days, the numbers in his book. And he wants you to partner with him and not just survive, but thrive. Let's live this journey to its fullest. Every single moment you are thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought, O God. Your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, you're still with me. And Rachel lovingly reminds us about that today at communion. That he loves you, his eye is upon you. Seven billion people on the planet, but he never gets our prayers mixed up. Seven billion people, but he loves you intimately and individually and fully and wholly. Isn't it amazing when you meet someone who just knows how to give you their full attention? Others are all distracted all the time. But it's how beautiful. It's like a touch of God's nature when you feel totally loved, totally listened to, totally accepted, and totally inspired to just get up and go for life. That's what God wants you to experience every day in your devotions, in your worship, in your prayer. Together, we would see that. God has created us in His image. The enemy has tried everything he can to destroy God's image in people through sin and destruction. And that's the sad part. So then our natures get marred by sin. Shame and guilt comes. Failure and competition and jealousy arises. They are all tools of the enemy to try and destroy the image of God in humanity. That's the big picture of what goes on in our beautiful but crazy world. But God's created you in His beautiful image. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says... Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy, and may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body be kept completely flawless in the appearing of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. So here the Bible says, hey, you're a unique being created in my image. You are spirit, soul, and body. And we need to understand how God's made us. Otherwise, we struggle with things we shouldn't be struggling with. We don't know how to partner and cooperate with God through the ups and downs of life. So I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. I am a spirit. That's who you really are. You have a soul, and you live in a body. My spirit is born again by the Spirit of God when I open my heart to Him. Because I believed and received the gift of salvation that Jesus accomplished on the cross by my sins and he rose again with eternal resurrection life. So when you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes within you. He turns you from being dead in sin to alive in Christ. That's the miracle of salvation. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. Your spirit comes alive and he comes and dwells within you when you are born again, when you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, that is His remarkable, 
overwhelming gift of grace to believers is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So when you're born again, your spirit comes alive. Your spirit gets renewed, made whole, connected to Almighty God. The part of you that's made in the image of God comes alive to God. That's why salvation is so important. That's why we share the gospel. That's why we sow the seeds in young people. That's why we want to train the next generations to follow God because that's God's plan. And so many of us forget God's design and His plan. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. <coughs> you were born again, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. I remember when I was younger, we used to sing that song, I'm a new creation, I'm a brand new man. Old things have passed away. I've been born again, more than a conqueror, that's who I am. Hey, we need to live in the reality of that. The enemy will try and swamp your mind and your emotions and relationships get torn, but don't forget who you really are. You're created in the image of God with His divine Holy Spirit living within you. Wow, that gives you greater worth and value than anything else that this world can offer. But we need to be reminded of that. John 3.3 3 says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. It's interesting to note that some people teach that the spirit and the soul are one and the same dualism but the bible clearly says that we are spirit soul and body really important to understand what that means we are connected but different man is a spirit the spirit is the part that can truly know god man possesses a soul which is the intellect the emotions and the will and we live in a physical body and we need to understand this is foundational truth. But I haven't taught on this for a long time. And just a few weeks ago, God says, you need to teach the people what this means and how we live. Because then you understand how to live in freedom. And you'll also understand how the enemy tries to attack and destroy people's identity and purpose and value in their lives. So with my body, the word for body in Greek is soma, S-O-M-A. With my body, I... I contact the physical realm through my five senses. Sight, the eye gate. Hearing, the ear gate. Smell, the nose gate. Taste, the mouth gate. And touch, the skin or feeling gate. God's given us those five physical senses. And thank God for them. But when one of them's not working, life's not easy, is it? You've got an ear infection, you can't hear. Or you get something in your eye and you, you can't see. Life becomes chaotic very quickly. Those five natural senses also have five spiritual senses. So you see with the eye of the Spirit. You hear the voice of the Spirit of God. You can taste His presence. You can sometimes even smell the aroma of His grace in a, in a meeting. And God says, come on. I want you to enjoy His beautiful presence and the touch, to be touched by the presence of God. Sometimes you're worshipping, you just feel His touch all over your physical body. You feel fire or vibration or, or heat. Or you just feel that His arms are wrapped around you. God touches every part of our being. And it all needs to be surrendered under the Lord Jesus Christ. With my soul, the word for soul is psyche. 
P-S-Y-C-H-E. That's where we get psychology and psychiatrists from. That's the soul realm. In the soul realm, I contact with through the intellectual and emotional realms. The gate to my soul are intellect, imagination, conscience, memory, reason, emotions, affection, and my will. They are the areas. I'll read them again because that's when you understand where this fits into God's plan for our lives. So our soul is the intellect, imagination, conscience, memory, reason, emotions, affection, and my will. With my spirit, in Greek is pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma. I contact the spirit realm through worship, through prayer, through faith, through hope, through agape love, through spiritual insight and many other ways that God's given us to connect to our spirit man to God. And that's why we worship so much in church. That's why we pray. That's why we read the word of God. That's why we have spiritual insight and say, come on, open your eyes to see in the spirit. We'll often say that and people say, what do you mean? We sometimes say, close your eyes so you can see. Close your natural eyes so you minimize distractions so you can start to see and, and sense in the Holy Spirit of what he's saying and doing for your life. And it's a trained sense where we need to train our spirits to see and understand in the spirit realm. The Bible says we walk by faith, not just by natural sight. And if you live just by natural sight and reasoning, watch out. You're going to have a much more difficult life than you need to have. Because you've got to see in the spirit what's behind what's happening in the natural. You don't have to get weird and spooky about it. But the reality is our spirit man is the real you. And yet too often we live in the natural realm only. God says, come on, I've made you, Spirit Solomon, let's, you're a beautiful creation all together in his design. And some people years ago used to teach, even in the, old, in the New Testament, that the, the body was evil. Well, that's not wrong because Jesus chose to come in a physical body to demonstrate connection to us. So that's a lie from the pit of hell. We need to understand the truth that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, a beautiful creation of God. Our soul can connect. The soul is the link between the body and the spirit realm. And God's given us these beautiful gifts to live in and understand of how beautiful that is. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. He, God's saying, hey, there's a whole greater realm in spiritual reality that will then, when it's unloaded and understood, will transform your soul, your relationships and your physical well-being. Goes on and says, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit, his Holy Spirit. Wherever you see a capital S, it means the Holy Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? That's small s. So God's put our own spirit and then when we're born again, He comes and lives in our spirit by His Holy Spirit and what a partnership that is when we understand how that works. That's powerful. 
It goes on and says, For who knows the thoughts except the Spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Life gets pretty chaotic when men and women with human reasoning alone try to understand God. That's where you get crazy religion and theology and stuff that binds people up and takes people off track because they're trying to understand God with natural human reason. The Bible says it's opposed to God. It cannot be the primary source of revelation trying to understand God, a spiritual being with a natural mind only. God will give you understanding as it comes from the Spirit then you can unpack it and God will allow your mind to then understand and download that and live out of the reality of it. It goes on and says, What we've received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Wow, so the Holy Spirit connects with your spirit and starts to reveal all the amazing gifts He's given us. Faith and hope and, and freedom and peace and, and patience and grace, all those things can only be understood in your spirit person first before your mind can fully grasp it. And yet so much of Western Christianity is reasoning and mind-based and not spiritual-based. And people say, why don't we see many healings in Western countries? That's the primary reason. You go into um, various other countries of the world where they live out of spirit life first and their mind does not rule. And that's why when someone says, hey, God can heal today, they get healed in mass. In Africa, in, in Asia, in, in uh, the islands where you've got cultures and people who understand that their spirit being is way more important than their natural mind and their emotions and soul realm. God wants us in Western cultures primarily to get a handle on this and then we can live out kingdom life to a much greater measure. We've exalted the mind above the spirit and that's the basic problem we have in Western Christianity. I'm speaking this prophetically because it's true. I've looked at this for decades. I've done enough mission trips to know. You go over there and you say a simple promise and people just believe it and the results happen immediately. Why? Because they respond out of their spirit before they try and respond out of their head. That's the primary difference. They've understood in simplicity, sometimes with less education than us, that they're spiritual beings and then their mind and their soul has to come in line with that. And I believe God wants to teach us how to live in His divine created purpose for our life. Does that mean the mind's not important? Of course it's important. And we'll un unpack that a little bit later. But you can't have it ruling. See, before you're a Christian, we often live out of our physical and soul realms and the Spirit's not alive to God. When you become a Christian... The Spirit of God then turns that so the Spirit starts to lead and the soul and the body comes into submission to the Spirit within. And that's why you have the huge battle, which we'll talk about in a moment, between soul and spirit and physical appetites and desires. Because the old nature does not want to give up its place of control. That's why we wrestle with temptations and things in our life. It goes on, verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, 
but in words taught by the Spirit, capital S, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. That's when you become a Christian, all of a sudden you start to have a new language. Not just speaking in other tongues when you get full of the Spirit, but you start hearing words of redemption and salvation and righteousness and reconciliation. A lot of those words you rarely hear before you become a Christian. Because we're now starting to talk new words, new language that explains the spiritual reality of life, which is how we've been created. Isn't that amazing? And so that's why we need to learn and understand what sanctification means. And what are all these big words? Because it's spirit-taught words that will explain who we are created to be. And it goes on, the person without the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That's why before you're a Christian, someone would start to tell you about grace and hope and forgiveness, and you just think, oh, that can't be true. No one would forgive me for my stuff. All those things are foreign concepts Until the Holy Spirit starts to take the word and you and I living it out demonstrate that there's a different way to live life and people say, well, I want what you've got. Well, this is the journey. It's a spiritual reality. You need to come through Jesus. Your spirit can come alive and then all of a sudden you will start to enter into a whole new world. And sometimes as Christians, if we don't understand this, people drift away from God because they haven't understood the powerful reality of what it means to be born again and how that spirit man must lead and rule, not the appetites of the flesh and not your emotions or your mind to rule. And God wants us to grasp a hold of this with fresh understanding. Proverbs 20.27 says, The spirit of man... That factor in human personality which proceeds immediately from God is the lamp of the Lord searching all his innermost parts. Wow, the spirit, your spirit inside. The Bible uses the word heart and spirit and sometimes they're interchangeable. Sometimes there is a different aspect to it. But our spirit or our heart, the innermost part of you is what has leads and directs your life. What you believe in here will trump what you believe up here. It says you must have faith in your heart, in your spirit. You can be a positive mindset person up here and that'll give you happier days. And if you don't have that, it's better than a negative one. But if you've got spiritual understanding in here, that's going to transform everything about your life. That's what being a Christian is. Oh, God, help us to live with understanding In the reality of this, so the spirit of man is that part of the person which proceeds immediately from God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active and full of power, (coughs) make it operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of a person and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. Wow. We can justify ourselves, say, well, it was their fault. I really don't need to forgive. Until you open the Bible and all of a sudden it just goes, cuts you up inside and you can't 
you can't wriggle away from God's Word because God's Word is motivated by His Spirit and His Spirit fills the earth. So you can't run away from it. You can ignore it or deny it for a while, but guess what? Everywhere you turn, it's going to be there. You'll start dreaming about it. Wherever you go, whatever song comes on the radio, it's going to say the same thing. Because the Word of God is power. That's why Jesus said it is written. We don't understand the Word of God is so powerful and it will divide between your soul and your spirit, your joints and your marrow. God's trying to tell us how powerful the written and inspired Word of God is to go right to the core of your being. That's why when some people fall into temptation, feel like they've failed, made mistakes, two things will happen quickly. One, they won't feel worthy enough to go to church. They stay away from fellowship. And secondly, they'll stop reading the Bible because it's going to convict them. It's going to challenge them. It's going to say, hey, you've got to look at the big picture here. Very quiet out there. That's true, isn't it? That's how it works. We're in, in fearfully and wonderfully made. But we need to understand how this works. And the Spirit of God is there opening it up. Here's a challenging comment. Our souls are not really saved when we're born again. Our spirits are. Some of our language in the church is not really that good. We say we, get, we had 10 souls saved. That's not actually true. Their spirits get saved. The Bible says the soul has to be transformed and renewed. So your soul doesn't actually get saved the day you get born again. Your spirit does. And then the transformation. So we've got to change some thinking than words that we use in church life because we've given false under, understanding. People say, well, you said everything's going to be fine. Everything's changed when you're, you're Christian. Yeah, your spirit now is connected to God. But your soul and your body now is on the journey of discipleship, sanctification and being renewed and transformed. Now I'm not going to slap someone up if I say we had three souls saved. But we need to start to think about and understand what we're talking about. Whoa. I wrote that down yesterday I thought, whoa. That's powerful. Psalm 23 verse 3 said, He restores my soul. That's a journey. It's a process. One of them says, He refreshes my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. What's another part of our soul? It's our mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves Set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your natural, is your sorry, rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. So the mind is a primary part of our soul. Our mind and our emotions are two of the key aspects of soul and they get restored or renewed. 
as your spirit is alive to God and as you worship and let the word of God change you, he'll start to renew your thinking, your mindsets, your mind. Wow. God, you've got us on this amazing journey. We need to understand his beautiful word of God. Our souls need to be renewed and restored. God can heal and restore us from abuse, wounds, brokenness, pain, misbeliefs, all sorts of stuff. He is the divine specialist to heal and restore, to cut between the soul and the spirit, to challenge our mindsets that are not God-based. That's why the Word of God is so powerful. That's why we need to let it, the Spirit of God connect with our spirit and renew our thinking and our way of approaching life, our value system, how we see ourselves, how we see other people, how we see God. Lord, help us to understand how powerful and how beautiful this is. Jesus was anointing. He says he came to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to recover sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free. Wow. So he comes for your spirit to be born again, come in relationship with our beautiful heavenly father through Jesus. And then he starts the process of renewing our minds, healing and restoring our souls, bringing our will under his lordship. And that's the journey of being a believer, a Christian. And in the process, we're inviting others to join. You, you show more and more the nature of Christ through the fruit of the Spirit, and Christianity becomes contagious and attractive, not something that pushes people away because we're living in the soul realm instead of the spirit realm. Well, we need to keep responding to Jesus until you are totally free. Jesus said, I want to come to set you free. Keep responding until you know there is total freedom. So you know total peace in your heart. I thank God he taught me some of this early on. My mum and dad were Christians and spiritual Christians and, and they prayed and taught me the word and I had pastors who taught me this stuff in my early days as a believer and I got a hold of it. The truth set me free. There's rarely a night in the last 40 years where I haven't laid my head on the pillow knowing I'm at peace with God and peace with everyone else. You say, is that possible? I'm no super saint, but I understood this in my early Christian walk that this is how I'm meant to live. Do I have battles? Yes, I do. But I don't let them overwhelm me or rob from me the peace that's mine. You say, well, my personality is just very sensitive and aware. Yes, we all are, but God has designed you. Remember, you're fearfully and wonderfully. So he knows exactly what truth, what measure of love and grace and how to connect with your spirit, soul and body so that you can live in freedom. So don't judge and say, well, that's just you. The only reason I have that degree of peace and freedom in my spirit is because God showed me and I learned how to respond over a period of time in my early years of Christianity. I don't want to make it sound like it's easy, but I understood the way that God works. And he's continuing. Every now and then he pulls me up and says, hold on, 
What thinking are you going with there? Is that kingdom thinking or is that soul thinking or is that his worldly thinking? Get it back in line because as a person thinks, so they become. We're all intricately linked together. The fruit of the Spirit is the nature of Jesus in our emotions and attitudes. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, all those. That's showing that the nature of Jesus is growing in your attitudes and your emotions and you live out his kingdom reality. Most of us do really well on one or two. Most of us have about six or seven that we're still wrestling with. But hey... God's transforming us. Our old nature in our soul often fights our transformed spirit to try and control, see who's in control of our being. Before Christ, it was body, soul, spirit ruling. After Christ in our soul, it's spirit and our soul and our body appetites, his eyes don't want to give up control and that's what the... Let's read this verse and we're not going to finish it today. I'll pick it up again next week. Galatians 5.16 But I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. Seek Him and be responsive, responsive to His guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and His precepts. That's true, isn't it? For the sinful nature has its desire which is opposed to the spirit and the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature. For these two, the sinful nature and the spirit are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict so that as believers do not always do whatever good things you want to do. You said, I'm, I'm going to be forgiving this week. Well, you get to about day three and a half and then all hell breaks loose. What happened? You really set out with a, a great motive. But the fact is you're heading the right direction and God will continue to strengthen you and teach you how to live out of the spirit man that's renewed by Jesus instead of out of the mind or your emotions. There's an amazing scripture in Psalm 119, <coughs> 165 says, those who love my law will never be offended. I thought, whoa, I've read that over and I said, God, how does that happen? He said, when you get your spirit and soul and mind so following God's ways, it's very difficult for anyone to offend you because you realize that it's their issue of jealousy or fear and you are, you are surrounded by his presence. Will you still have difficulties? Yes, but it doesn't have to offend you and cut you up where you walk away from God or start to react out of anger or strive. I think, whoa, is that possible? Well, it wouldn't be in the Bible if it wasn't. But there's a journey of how we get there, of grace. And then it goes on. Oh, boy, there's so much in this. It goes on and says, verse 8, But if you are guided and led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. doesn't mean you, you don't follow God's Word. But you're not bound by the legalism and rules and judgment of the law. Now, the practice of the sinful nature are clearly evident. Well, what a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total 
responsibility, lack of self, irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behaviour, and other things like these. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if I stop reading there, we're all going to have a terrible week. I'm going, whoa! I ticked off four of them last week. Oh, God. But I love the Word of God. It tells it like it is, and he says, but. But. That's what it says, but. You don't have to live there where the flesh and the old nature and your broken soul or your mind that's still living with a mixed set of values, but the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence in us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience. I love this. Not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, your word is just so to the heart. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control, that's the last one. It should be the first one. If you don't have that, the others aren't going to work real well. (laughs) Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions and appetites. If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, And moral courage, our conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. Wow, let's give him a shout of praise. Lord, thank you, thank you. Woo! Well, we're about halfway through the message, so we're going to cut it there. Let's stand and we'll pick it up again next week because there's so much I don't want to... Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.